0: This evening, I want to study a a really, really famous passage from the Bible. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, 10. So, I assume you all have a Bible. Thanks, mate. Um, So, grab your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. He's not going to do it. Okay, Um, the rest of us will turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, it's really famous, and I guess I should say at the start, um, the danger of preaching a really famous passage is you, you'll sit there and you go, "Oh no, no, sweet, I've heard it all before." I, well, you know, I did thirteen years at Kingsway; I know this verse inside and out, um, and and you tune out, um, which which might be true, but I just want to like I don't know re-emphasize that the purpose of preaching isn't necessarily uh, so that you learn something new. It's not necessary so that you learn something new. When when you when you think about it, actually. Um, Preaching is, in many ways, it's just a weekly reminder of something that you already know. It's a reminder of who God is, mainly through the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, So don't let the familiarity of this verse, if it is familiar to you, uh, put you off. Uh, We need the gospel preached to us every week, which is why we come to church every, actually, we, we need the gospel preached to us every day. So we need to preach it to ourselves every day. So my goal this evening is not necessarily to teach you anything new, because it probably won't happen. I just wanna lift God up as high as my lips possibly can. Uh, Yeah, I want us to see Him as, as the wonderful God of grace, who is absolutely mighty to save. And I think this passage does that. So what this passage does really well is it highlights the central role of God in our salvation. The role of divine grace, it really emphasizes how God is the one who is worthy of all the honor and praise and glory and all the rest of that for our salvation. He gets all the credit for our salvation. So you've got it open in front of you. Let's read it, Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So um, this is like a summary of the gospel and if we were to summarize this summary, we could pick three nouns, grace, faith, works. These these are the key words that Paul uses here in this passage to explain the gospel. But on their own, um, they really mean nothing, right? So uh, we're gonna take a little closer closer look at their associated prepositions. Now, I want you to reach back uh, into your into your early high school memories, you know, all those memories that you've worked so hard to repress, uh, to remember what a preposition is. A preposition is a really important word because it, ex- it explains how nouns relate to each other. Between, on, above, over, in. So straight away, I'm sure you can see why they're really important. The other day, my eldest daughter, Bella, she's four years old, uh, she wanted me to drive her somewhere, and she, she asked me, hey, can you take me on the car? And clearly she means, can you take me in the car? Um, but if we, <laughs> if we get that mixed up, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big idiot, and I do a lot of um, <laughs> dangerous things with my daughters, um, but I'm not driving anywhere with my four-year-old on the car. You know, That's going to get me arrested. So prepositions, really important especially when it comes to our text today. So we're not gonna just look at grace, faith, works as the summary, um, but we're gonna look at the associated prepositions. That is the gospel, our salvation, is by grace, through faith, for works. And so I wanna look at these ideas one by one. First of all, uh, we are saved by grace. Verse eight starts with this statement. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And the verse ends with the same idea. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Now clearly, uh, we do not have time to fully unpack verses 1 through 7. We're looking at 8 onwards today. Um, But we've got to spend a little bit of time on it because this passage starts with 4. Because... So we got to see we can see that it, it directly ties into what he said just beforehand. So very quickly, in, in, in verse 1, Paul said that we're dead. We're dead. We're spiritually dead. We're alienated from God. We, quote, were following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. Verse 3 says, we were living in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and... The mind. In other words, we were just like totally in bondage to our own sin. That, that's that's how we were. And thus we were by nature children of wrath. Wrath. That's a description of the fallen human state that we're born into. And at the end of verse 3, he applies it to all of humanity. No exceptions. This is the natural condition of the human race since the fall. And so because we're absolutely dead in our sin, we're helpless. We can't save ourselves. Corpses don't bring themselves back from the dead. And you might, we might be like, oh, okay, sure, we're not as bad as Adolf Hitler. We're not that bad, but in a spiritual sense, um, before we're saved, it's like comparing one corpse that's fully rotten with another corpse that's just slightly less rotten, you know? Both are still dead, so we're unable to do anything to save ourselves from the condition described in those first three verses. it's pretty grim. But in the next four verses, it describes what God did to save us and why, why He did it. It tells us that He raised us from the dead, united us with Christ, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places. Basically saying, we now, after you're saved, you have the same legal status, the same divine favor, that Christ has. So God's gone like all out for us in salvation. He didn't just like forgive you a little bit and then give you a little bit of spiritual life like here and there, No, no he forgave you completely, united you to Christ fully, and in God's eyes we are spotlessly perfectly righteous. That's pretty mean. That's, that's, that's a big deal, that's good news. And what the text is saying is God did all of this. God is the one that made all of this happen. Verse five says, he did it when we were dead in our trespasses. Simple as that. We didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything to deserve it. He just did it by his own sovereign will. It was prompted by his love for us. We were dead. We're far from him. And then God did it all for us. So as Paul writes this, the supreme thought in his head is, I, I, I guess, or in his heart, is, is a passion to celebrate the grace of God over everything. He wants to celebrate the grace of God over everything. So like, it's the grace of God uh, above human works, over any sense of self-righteousness or, or making our way up to God. Paul's trying to say, no, 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 it's not, it's not about any of that. It's about God reaching down to us. And that's why Paul gives such a grim and horrific picture in verse, verses one, two, and three. Because until we realize, okay, like that's the, re- that's the reality, that's the fallen situation that we're in, that's how hopeless sinners are, apart from God, we, I guess we can't really begin to appreciate how profound and how wonderful and essential the grace of God is. So, if we wanna understand salvation at all, we gotta begin with grace. By grace, you have been saved. Not grace plus our faith. Not grace plus our works, it starts with one thing, by grace, period. And not only does God begin the process of our salvation by raising us from the dead, uh, all the rest of salvation is God's doing as well. All the rest of it is God's doing as well. And he does it gratuitously, freely, by grace. That's why we don't get the credit. God gets the credit. And so by the time we get to verse eight, uh, Paul's already talked about this idea of grace, but he builds on it a bit more, and he says that the, this grace is a gift of God. Now, this is a phenomenal thought, and I'll tell you why. Uh, it's because this gift, we're talking about grace and salvation being a gift that God gives to us. Um, it's a phenomenal thought because this gift is a gift to his enemies. Right? We, we receive the blessings of salvation despite the fact that, all we deserve from God really is just the opposite. That's why it's amazing grace, not decent grace or okay grace or pretty good grace. Like, the thing that makes grace so amazing is because God loved us and He gave us this gift, not when we were neutral to Him, but He loved us and gave us this grace of salvation when we were His enemies. That's what makes grace so amazing. It was my birthday this week. Um, so my family, they hooked me up with some, some great gifts um, and they did that because I guess in their eyes I'm wonderful and worth celebrating. But when you read gift here, uh, don't think like a birthday kind of gift. Don't think gift in a birthday sense. When you read gift here, uh, we gotta read it in light of verse three that says we were by nature children of wrath. So God gives us the opposite of wrath. He graciously, lovingly bestows on us the favor and blessing that Christ deserved. Like, that's a big deal. That's a gift for his enemies. Another note regarding this gift of grace. Uh, this grace is active. It's active. What I mean is not it's not like grace, God's grace is not like this passive offer of blessing for anyone who might muster up enough faith uh, out of their own hearts to receive it. Like, this grace is active. It reaches out and it does the saving. In other words, grace is what secures the sinner's response in the first place. Like, you might think, oh yeah, it was my response to the gospel, I heard the gospel and it was my response to that that secured salvation... Like, no, nah, not actually. It's it God's grace that made the first move. God's grace made the first move, and that's Paul's point here: that we're sinners, we're dead in sin, we're condemned, we're helpless until God, in His grace, reached out to us and sovereignly put an end to our death. The power was His. The power was all His. He gave us life, pure and simple. So God's grace—it's active. It gives us life. Um, It's—it's it's not like—it's not like we mustered up enough faith in our hearts, which made God act favorably towards us. It's not that, you know, like when Lazarus, um, Jesus' mate Lazarus, when he was dead in the tomb, um, he as a corpse didn't like build up a lot of faith, which allowed Jesus to to raise him back from the dead, right? Uh, No, God's grace is active. God's grace makes the first move. God's grace is the initiator. And, And And this verse teaches us that likewise, um, the power of the gospel and the power of salvation is not dependent on the sinner's ability to respond. It's not based on how well you can respond or can't respond or whatever. Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation, um, and it's the power of God for salvation even when the sinner totally lacks the capacity or the desire or the ability for, for faith. Right? Like God, the gospel is God's power of salvation, regardless of how we are. So that means it's not the power of our faith that saves us. It's God's power. That's what Ephesians chapter 1 talks about. It's God's power. God's grace is what unleashes our faith, it's not the other way around. That's why your faith can be weak and your faith can be mustard sized. It's not the power of your faith that saves you. God's grace, it draws us, it awakens us, it makes Christ irresistible to hearts that were once completely dead in trespasses and sins, hearts that were in bondage to the flesh and to the devil, hearts that had no spiritual life that might energize our faith, but God and His grace, are you getting this? God and His grace reaches down and He saves us totally and completely by grace. Hence, verse eight, this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So grace is the key word in salvation. Grace, grace, God's grace. Uh, It's the source from which everything to do with salvation comes. It's grace. So uh, let's look at faith. Let's look at faith. What part does faith play? Uh, We are saved through faith. We are saved through faith. That's a really important distinction to make because uh, Paul is telling us that we're saved by grace. And when he talks about faith, he clearly mentions that it's through faith. So without, without complicating it too much, um, this is what it means. Faith is the, is the instrument. Faith is the, the channel that allows grace and salvation to flow into our lives. Faith, that means trusting Jesus, believing in Jesus is how we receive salvation. We're saved through the channel of faith. So that means we're not saved through doing lots of good things. That's not how we receive it. We're not saved through making a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. We're not saved through strapping bombs onto our bodies and and blowing ourselves up in 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 a bus in the name of Jesus. That's not how we receive salvation. We're saved through faith. Through faith. We receive salvation simply through trusting in Jesus. So the distinction from the previous point is uh, we're saved by grace. That means we can't do anything to earn our salvation. There's nothing good that we did that made go, oh, okay, cool, that would be a good idea. We can't do anything to earn our salvation. That's what saved by grace means. Saved through faith means we can't do anything good to receive that salvation, we receive it through faith. So if if faith is simply the channel through which we receive salvation, uh, it means our faith did not make God look favorably, uh, cause God to look favorably and graciously towards us. As if, as if God goes like, oh yeah, man, look at Jeremy. Like, oh man, he's, he's just built up a lot of faith. Okay, sweet, I'm gonna reward him with grace. And that's not how it works. Our faith didn't cause salvation to take place. What, what made salvation take place? Grace, thanks. And whoever said, who, was that you, Emma? Yeah, yeah, well done, Emma, thanks. It's grace, God's grace is what caused our salvation to take place. So again, faith is simply how we receive salvation. But Here's the kicker. Are you ready for it? Um, Even the faith that we have is a gift from God. I'll repeat, the faith that we have is a gift from God. And I know this, number one, because we're spiritually dead in trespasses and sin. We're unable to be become spiritually alive unless God works in us. So for us to call to Jesus for salvation, faith has to be given to us. In fact, we need a new heart altogether, one that's turned away from sin and ourselves and one that's turned towards Jesus. And God's the one who gives us that heart, right? Ezekiel 37? Right, Nehemiah? Yeah, Ezekiel 37. Um, he, places, he replaces our, our dead heart of stone with a living heart of flesh. So God gives us faith. Hebrews twelve two plainly says that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the author of it. Uh, number three, even in this passage tonight, it's pretty clear that faith, and I'm quoting Paul here, is not our own doing. That's what verse eight says. It's a divine gift of grace, just like salvation itself. So when Paul says, this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, what's he talking about? Like, just look look at the text in front of you when he says, this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. What is the gift? Well, it's all of it, including faith. Faith is a gift from God. Every aspect of salvation is a gift from God. So what Paul is saying is that the whole process, grace, faith, works, that we subsequently do, they're all facets, every facet of the big picture is God's doing, not our doing. It's God working in us, and it's God working through us. That's why we have nothing to boast about. Verse 9, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. If faith was something that I summoned out of my own heart and by my own desire, uh, then I could take credit for it at least for some of it, right? Like, I'm the one who mustered up that faith. I should get some credit for it. And thus, I do have something to boast about. Sure, like, it's mainly God, but I've I got a little bit to boast about. Uh, that's 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 not what the text says. I hope, um, I don't know if you're confused or not, but I hope, at, at, at the very least, you're seeing uh, what I mean about having a high picture of God. It's not a case of, like, God is up here, and we're up here, like, no, like God's like, I don't know, up, up there, way up there. Noah, um, what, what, how tall are you? 6'3", six three. Six three. put your hand up. God's like up there, and me as 4'6", down here. You know, like that's the gap between us and God. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong impression. Um, that doesn't mean that God believes for us. Our faith is still our faith, right? He gives that faith to us, right? So it's not kind of some kind of robotic or hypnotized state where God mechanically makes you believe. No, 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 being born again uh, doesn't involve any kind of violence to the will of the person. There's no, God's not, there's no coercion taking place. Now, I don't fully understand how it all fits together, but scripture says that faith is a gift from God which he gives to us so that we can believe. And I know it sounds confusing um, but that's not the point. The point is that God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. God provides salvation and he also provides faith to, to believe and receive that salvation. So faith is given to us and we exercise that faith and it is through that faith that we receive salvation. We're saved by grace, uh, through faith, finally for works. We are saved for works. Now, verse 10 is kind of the forgotten verse out of this passage. um, Because when you do, I don't know, Sunday school or biblical studies or whatever, like memory verses, um, verse 10 is often left out of it. Verses 8 and 9, you know, they're, they're standard. But verse 10 is is absolutely essential, I think, if you want to get a full sense of what Paul is saying the gospel is about. It's only half half of the picture if you stop at verse 9. Verse 10 is the one that kind of answers all our questions that are left dangling in our mind once you've worked your way through the passage to this point. Um, And the theme of this verse is works, actions, things that we do. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So without verse 10, just imagine, just imagine we didn't have verse 10 for a second. Uh, We might get the impression that poor things, doing things, good works, doing works is is bad. You know, it's like all this talk about grace, grace, grace. God's grace, it's not what you do, it's not what you do, it's not what you contribute, it's not about that, blah, 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 blah. And after hearing all of that, we might be inclined to be like, okay, sweet, okay, like, don't do things, don't do good deeds, don't do good works, you know? Salvation is by God's grace, not my works, so stay away from doing those good works. Like, you might construe it in that way, but in reality, what Paul does with verse 10 here is he elevates good works to their proper place. Taking them out of the realm of self-righteousness, right? It's got nothing to do with self-righteousness, and it's got nothing to do with doing good works to make our way up to God. He, like, takes it away from that side, and how he does this is by saying that when it comes to salvation, uh, grace and works are opposites. So when it comes to salvation, when it comes to being saved, grace and works are total opposites, Salvation is the gift of God. That's what the text says. Salvation is the gift of God, not a result of works. He's talking here about works of our own, like the good things that we do, with the mindset that we're somehow earning brownie points with God, or like, like we're impressing God, or that we do these things so that He's going to save us. And that includes like anything from like donating millions of dollars to charity, all the way to... Other kind of works we can do can be things like, you know, this creepy witchcraft, voodoo, I don't know, all that kind of stuff. Um, And everything in in between. Anything that we do that we think is gonna somehow make us reach God or make God look favorably towards us. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. When it comes to being saved, grace and works, polar opposites. Because the problem is, uh, because we've sinned, we're all sinners, Uh, It's impossible to reach our way up to God or win God's approval through any works. Because good works cannot atone for sin. Our sins already condemned us. So good works, even our best works, even if you've donated a billion dollars to, I don't know, charity of choice, even if you did that, they're utterly worthless when it comes to having a right relationship with God and in a sense track with me here in a sense doing that and thinking that that's going to like get you up to god i think that brings more condemnation because the person trying to earn god's favor by doing that is actually like refusing to see how sinful they are like all these all these deeds and all these good deeds and donating all this money it actually works of self righteousness as if to say like Oh, I'm not that bad. I know mean, I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. And if I just do a couple of good things over here, then you know, then I'll you know then I'll reach God. And that's self-righteousness, and that adds to our guilt. And Paul says here clearly that good works, good works have no merit in our salvation. They count for nothing. Because every aspect of redemption is whose work? God's work. Thank you, Emma. It's God's work. And so this shows the nature of authentic faith. It means that when a sinner comes to faith in Christ, they're stripped of all their self-righteousness. Paul is a perfect example of this. In Philippians chapter three, he recites this list of like all these reasons that he thought um, were for boasting. Like they're all the reasons I'm acceptable and I'm the man before God. Uh, you know, stuff like his, his, his bloodline was, you know, member of the tribe of, of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews and all his personal accomplishments as a Pharisee. He considered himself blameless when it came to the law. Um, but what did, what happened when real, authentic faith invaded his life? What did that make him do with those lists of so-called good works? He considered it... Worthless. worthless. Thanks, Emma. Worthless. Considered it rubbish. Worthless. It's either or, it's not half and half. It's not God's grace and my works, but it's God's grace alone. Paul says in Romans 11, for if it is by, I mean like this is so, so simple, verse 11, Romans eleven six. If it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Like, like, duh. <laughs> now to be clear, Uh, None of this is to say that works uh, are so terribly evil and that we should give up on doing good things. Of course not. Paul's not against good works. He's against, check it. Paul's not against good works. Paul is against trusting in good works. Paul's against trusting in good works for salvation rather than trusting in Jesus for salvation. Now, of course, there's a prominent place for good works in the gospel that we preach, but we need to be clear about what the right place is for good works. Good works are the fruit of faith. They come from being saved. They come as a result of being saved. They come after we're saved. It's not a way of earning merit before God in order to be saved. That's That's a really, really important distinction. Authentic good works, they're just the natural expected fruit of faith. That's why he talks about good works positively here in verse 10. Only after he has established the proper order, he's talked about grace and faith first before he talks about, oh, okay, now this is the place for good works. Good works are the fruit of God's grace, not the cause of it. Not the reason he shows us grace, but the result of it. Paul's saying, we're saved by grace through faith for. In order to do good works, we we do these good works because we are saved. And the moment we mess that up like I did just then, the moment we mess that up, man, then that's your theology just gone. Creates all sorts of problems. Creates a, a life that is like, that sucks. Creates a sucky life. Because you're always on edge, like, oh, i got to do more good things. i got to do more good things. Oh, like, if I die now, then like, oh, then I'm going to go to hell because I haven't done enough good things. No, no, no. No. By grace, through faith, in order to do good works. Now, these good works can be anything. Anything, right? Any good thing we do for God as a result of our new Jesus-loving hearts, um, but primarily and you've heard me harp on about this many, many times, primarily I think the good works that we're uh, meant to do as a result of salvation is to bear witness to the world about Jesus. I think that's primarily the, the good work that we're supposed to do. It's about being testimonies to the rest of the world, a witness of God's grace to the world. Because our chief end, man's chief end, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And I think our sharing of our faith, our pointing people to Christ, our our living our lives as living testimonies, as witnesses to God, I think that glorifies God the most. Because it says like, yeah, 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 He's worth it. Yep, He's worth it. My life is about pointing other people to Christ because He is worthy of it. Which obviously glorifies God in your life. So I think that's the main good work that we're here for. To point people to Christ. Like if you have experienced this marvelous grace of God, like you've recognized your sin, you've recognized your, your alienation from God, you've recognized that you just fall short of His glory and in the way that you live your life and, and think and have attitudes and just all of us, we're enemies to God. You know, we don't give him the glory that he's due. We do all that. We're just so separated from him. And he reaches down, and instead of giving you an uppercut, he saves you, right? By his grace. Not because we did anything good. But he saves us by his grace. Okay, you've experienced that. You know what it's like to be a, 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 excuse my French, a stinking sinner, before God and be accepted by grace? Okay, you've experienced that? Okay, then our job is to live lives that point people to Him. This is why we exist as a church. That's why we gather every week, uh, so that we're equipped to engage the world with the gospel. That's why we put church services on, so that we come, it's like a pep rally. You know, we're like, okay, let's go. I'm spending, I don't know how many hours there are in a week, but most of it, spending it out there. So let's come, get together, be a reminder of the gospel. All right, let's go. Ready to go out to the world as missionaries again, to engage the world with the gospel. Um, so that's, that's our task. That's our job for those of us who have experienced God's grace. So listen, you've heard it before. We've got a course coming up next Saturday. It's called the Christian Life and Witness course. Um, can I just encourage you, like, sign up, man? Sign up. It's just two hours on a Saturday morning. It's free, and it's, it's, it's gonna give us practical and helpful tips on sharing our faith. And listen, so if this, is, if this is the good works that we're meant to be doing, then it's a pretty big deal, right? It's not like this, this like side, oh, like, you know, so maybe one day when you have a bit of time left, can you please uh, do some good works of sharing your faith? It's not like, like that's why you're alive if you're a Christian and you're alive. So that's a pretty big deal, you know? And if if coming on Saturday and just like learning a thing here or there, if that's gonna help us do that, man, that's that's pretty good, you know? And, you know, maybe you come and you don't learn anything. Okay, oh, okay, sweet. You've just lost two hours. That's it. That's it. You know, so I, I really encourage you. Um, do sign up. You can do that on our website. Sign up for that. Learn some good stuff, and hopefully it's just, it's, you know, especially as we're coming up to Christmas. Christmas is like a platter of sharing your faith. It's like, what's Christmas about? Presents, oh, uh, is it really But Jesus, you know? like, it, And so if we can learn some good tips, it, it's, it's gonna be awesome. And it's free, I'll just say that again, it's free. How dope is that? So would you consider just being part of that with us? Um, I, I'm hoping it's gonna be really practical, really helpful. Um, as we, as we enter the Christmas season, and I know you're thinking, oh, it's October, but man, you go to the wall, the, the wall? Don't go to the wall, go to the mall, and you'll see that it's Christmas already. I've seen Christmas lights go up uh, on the streets around us, so Christmas time is coming, let's, let's make the most of it. Anyway, hopefully I've given you even a slightly, I don't know, bigger picture of God in your mind when it comes to salvation, that we might, I'm hoping that we, we look away from ourselves And ascribe to God the glory and honor that he deserves uh, for salvation. That we see him as the main character for salvation because he is the main character in salvation. I hope that's happened in our hearts and our minds today. And as we leave here, we'll leave thinking, okay, sweet, like, God is up there, I'm here. And so God deserves all the glory. And I wanna live my life to honor that God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word that we open it and meet you in it. And as we've heard from Ephesians chapter two this evening, we, we recognize you as you as the great God of grace who reached down to save us uh, out of our sin, out of the, the miry clay of our filth. Uh, and God, so we, we just were so appreciative of that. Lord, we pray that as a result of our being here this evening, uh, that we, your spirit would, I guess, take um, whatever's necessary, into our hearts and and equip us with it, that we may go from here this evening and live lives that really glorify you, that, that point people to Christ. Help us in that, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.